0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Christia Freeland visits Washington as work continues to get the new trade deal finalized. I will continue to have responsibility for the NAFTA negotiation and broadly oversee the Canada-US relationship because that is so central when it comes to our country's place in the world. Andrew Scheer announces his new leadership team.
1: He's going to want to show today that he still has the support of his caucus to the extent that he does still have the support of his caucus.
0: And how would Canadians react to a higher price on carbon? I think Canadians were pretty clear during the campaign that they want strong action on climate change Um, and that is something that we certainly are endeavouring to do. It's Thursday, November 28th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Maura Forrest from the National Post. Good morning, Maura. Good morning. So Christia Freeland is in Washington. Her new role, of course, was uh, supposed to be more focused on Canada, but she did say on the day of the Cabinet swearing in last week that, uh, that she would continue to uh, work to get the new North American Free Trade Agreement across the finish line, and, and it appears uh, they're getting closer on some level. Uh, nothing is done until it's done, of course, but it looks as though some progress is being made, and, and that's part of what warrants her visit to Washington.
1: That's right. So yes, Christy Freeland has said, you know, she will continue to sort of shepherd this across the finish line given that this was such a major file for her while she was uh foreign affairs minister. Um and it, it does seem uh heading into the heading into Thanksgiving weekend in the US that there is a push to try and uh get some progress on uh the last sources of, of, of disagreement. Um that the Democrats have with the US administration on this deal. Um, and, you know, this is really quite time sensitive um, from Canada's perspective, certainly. Uh, there's a, a risk here that uh, the ratification of this deal in the US could get derailed if it, if it drags on too much longer by the coming presidential campaign um, next year. And so, You know, there really is, I think, a desire in Canada to see this, get across the finish line, um, get it ratified in the U.S. and in Canada. Um, And so it it does seem like there is some momentum in the U.S. And uh, I think that's why uh, Christopher Freeland took the opportunity yesterday to to go down to Washington and, uh, you know, do what she can to try and get this over the finish line.
0: But it's interesting because uh, normally Canada is more aligned with the Democrats in American politics than with the Republicans and certainly with the Trump administration and its view on things. But on this deal, of course, it's the Democrats that uh, Canada has to convince. And a lot of work I know has gone into convincing congressional Democrats that this uh, agreement is in America's best interest.
1: That's right. I mean, yeah, it is sort of an interesting uh, alignment there, I guess. Um, I think that, you know, the Democrats in the U.S. really want to be able to say that they made this deal better. Um, You know, now that uh, now that they have control of Congress, they want to be able to show that they that they made some progress on this, that they made some changes. Um, The the key changes here that we're talking about um, have to do in part with, Uh, with um, tighter labor standards in the New Deal and uh, concerns about whether those uh, higher labor standards can be enforced, particularly in Mexico. Um, And so, you know, the Democrats... um, you know they want to be able to show, particularly to the labor movement, that they are uh, that they are hearing those concerns and that they are able to make some tweaks and to to improve uh, this agreement. So that's kind of their interest, um, and I think you know Canada is certainly working alongside them. And but you know Canada certainly feels there is broad support for this new agreement in Canada, um, and I think that uh, that the Canadian government certainly feels that, you know, it's,
0: it's time to, to get this done. Yeah, and I think it would be a political win for the new Liberal government, the, the newly re-elected Liberal government. Uh, uh, most Canadians, I think, support free trade with the United States and Mexico, and uh, probably one of the highlights of the first term of this Trudeau government was its management, by and large, of the relationship with the United States and the understanding Canadians have that that was tricky at times, given the volatility of Donald Trump and his administration.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think this is one of the things that has given Krista Freeland the really strong reputation that she has as a Canadian minister, as a negotiator. Um, you know, I think there is uh, broad support in Canada for the new agreement. I think there's a general feeling that uh, the negotiations were overall fairly well handled, um, particularly by Christopher Freeland. And, uh, and so, you know, I think it would certainly be uh, a feather in her cap, a feather in a liberals' cap, to see this, um, to see this wrapped up, to see it ratified uh, in in the near future here.
0: All right, let's turn to Conservative leader Andrew Shear, who is expected today to unveil uh, some of the key roles in in on his team going forward. Uh, what are you expecting to hear from that announcement, and what kind of scrutiny will there be on it, given how much uh, people are paying attention to Andrew Shear's every move these days, because the future of his leadership is in doubt? Yeah,
1: it's a tough time to be Andrew Shear right now. I, I think that... Um, you know, I think today he's going to be trying to sort of change the channel. Uh, there's been so much speculation um, in media and so much reporting on, you know, voices that are getting stronger and stronger, suggesting that uh, either he should resign or, or, you know, run for the leadership again, um, uh, suggesting that he was too weak during the election. Um, and I think he's going to want to show today um, that he still has the support of his caucus to the extent that he does still have the support of his caucus. Um, He's, you know, he's going to want to put on a show of uh, force to some degree, you know, to say that I am still the leader and I'm going to lead uh, at least into into April, into the next leadership review. And, you know, I still have... um, I still have a a strong uh, grounding of support behind me. I think that's the message he's going to try to send, and we'll see how successful he is with that. I think, you know, it's important to note that um, there aren't many Conservative MPs. uh, I don't think there are any Conservative MPs currently who've come out publicly publicly. is criticizing Sheeran, and saying that he needs to step down. Um, there are an increasing number of voices coming from outside caucus, so former candidates and people outside, uh, uh, and, and people in other roles outside the caucus. But um, there also hasn't been an overwhelming, uh, an overwhelming sense of support from caucus either. You don't have a lot of MPs who are speaking out publicly strongly Supporting shear either so i think that today is going to be a very interesting test to see kind of what the mood is what the atmosphere is uh in terms of the level of support for him in terms of the roles that he's um that he's going to be announcing today i think it is going to be very important i think um particularly he's going to need to uh pay attention to Uh, His caucus in Quebec and Ontario, those are the areas where he really didn't perform well, where the Conservatives were were very weak uh, and lost vote share in a number of ridings uh, that they won in those provinces. So I think when it comes to important leadership roles, he's certainly going to have to be paying attention to, um, to his MPs in those provinces to try and gear up for a better showing in that part of the country next time around.
0: Now, what about the forces that are gathering against Andrew Scheer within the Conservative Party, former strategists like Corey Tanaik, Uh There's a report today that a website has been set up called Conservative Victory, is suggesting Scheer has to go. Uh, there, there appears to be a campaign that is that is mounting. Uh, how difficult is it going to be for him to withstand all of that uh, over the intervening months between now and the convention in April?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is getting harder and harder for him. I mean, these these voices are getting louder, and certainly, it was uh, the, the Globe story that you referenced. Uh, you know, this is—it's pretty interesting to see uh, Corey tonight actually try to organize uh, an organization to um, to sort of bring Andrew Shear down, saying he needs to he needs to step aside and, and run again for the leadership. Um, you know, I, I think that we need to. Remember that a lot of these voices are, as I said before, they're they're outside caucus for the time being. Um, you know, there was a Conservative MP yesterday who was uh, dismissing Corey to a bit, you know, saying that he ran Maxime Bernier's uh, leadership campaign uh, and, you know, question whether he's actually, uh, you know, what his motives are exactly um, in terms of organizing this new movement. Um So, you know, I I think it's important to uh, remember what the different motivations and incentives can be for people coming out publicly and criticizing Andrew Shear And I think also we're hearing a certain amount of criticism from candidates who didn't win. And it is entirely understandable that they would be upset um, and and, and angry. Um, But I think the real test is going to be, what does the caucus itself feel? And of course, what does the party membership feel? I think that it's getting harder and harder to see a future for Andrew Shear, But I think we also need to kind of step back and and remember that we haven't heard a lot from actual members of of the Conservative caucus uh, on this just yet.
0: Yeah. All right. Just quickly, Maura, before we let you go, uh, there was a report this week that talked about the need to raise the price of carbon in Canada, to two hundred ten dollars per ton, if we're going to meet our emissions targets and address the growing crisis of climate change in the world, uh, how do you think that's being received in Canada and in in uh, the pol- in political circles in Ottawa?
1: Well. I- I think it was certainly a very interesting report um, saying that, you know, if we choose to rely primarily on carbon pricing to achieve our Paris targets, that carbon price is going to have to go up to $210 per 10. Uh, You know, the Liberal government has been very reluctant to say uh, whether they will continue to increase the carbon price beyond 2022. Um, And I think think it's generally understood that um, in order to meet the Paris targets, that carbon price will have to go up, but the Liberals have been reluctant to talk about that um, and to to make any commitment one way or the other. And I think this report is sort of making the point that – you know, this is the price that we would have to get to if we use carbon pricing. But the report also says, also recognizes that carbon taxes can be politically unpalatable, can be kind of toxic politically. And so it also says, okay, if we don't just rely on carbon pricing, here are the other things we can use. We can use a mix of regulations and subsidies. They will be more expensive ultimately, but they may be more politically palatable because people don't notice them as much. Um, You know, I think that uh, in terms of how that message is being received I mean it's I, I think that certainly the NDP and the Green Party during the election campaign um, had been pushing for stronger uh, for stronger emissions targets um, I think the Liberals have said that they continue to be committed to those 2030 targets um, but they have yet to be very clear about how they're going to get there and current government projections say they won't get there um, so remains to be seen I think how, uh, how the government chooses to respond to this kind of information.
0: All right, Mora. great to have your comments on all these topics today. Thank you very much.
1: Well, thanks very much for having me.
0: That's Mora Forrest from the National Post.
1: I think Canadians were pretty
0: clear during the campaign that they want strong action on climate change, um, and that is something that we certainly are endeavouring to do. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At Policy Options, Christopher Reagan argues carbon pricing is the smartest policy tool. Reagan writes, Focusing on reducing emissions from heavy industry might be popular, but it would cost us the most, with higher costs being passed on in the form of higher prices. Carbon pricing creates incentives to reduce emissions by changing how we live and conduct business, leading to large reductions over time. We know that it's time to get real about climate change. Now we need to know that some options will cost far more, even if their price tags are harder to see. In McLean's Andrew McDougall argues, staffing changes and listening tours won't rescue Andrew Shear. McDougall writes, Nobody thinks Shear lost the last election because of his chief of staff or director of communications. The Conservatives lost because their platform was thin gruel, served up by a man who doesn't stand out in a crowd. Forget the staffing changes. The ultimate test for Scheer will be whether he can convince his party that he has a plan to recapture the ramparts Stephen Harper claimed in his majority 2011 win. If he can, he stays. If he can't, he will be deep-sixed. In the Globe and Mail, Conrad Yakabuski argues Andrew Scheer can choose to go out on a high note. Yakabuski writes, There's no going back to a time when it was all right for a prime minister to merely tolerate gay marriage and abortion. He or she must defend those and all other fundamental rights with every fibre of his or her being. Andrew Scheer has yet to show that he is up to it. It may be too late for him to be remembered by history for anything but his 2005 speech against gay marriage. But it's not too late for him to go out on a high note by admitting he was wrong. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. As we've discussed, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer will announce his caucus leadership team this morning.
2: CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on that. Mark, at 10 a.m. Eastern time in the foyer of the House of Commons, the leader of the official opposition, Andrew Scheer, will announce his caucus leadership team. This will be a chance for him to announce who will be acting as his House leader. That will be an essential role in the coming months in this minority parliament, as it's the House leaders of the main parties who largely determine how well the caucuses get along. House leaders also go a long way to setting the tone in terms of the behind-the-scenes horse trading that's always necessary to get legislation passed and schedules agreed to among the parties. Also, Mr. Shear will announce his caucus whip. That role will be essential for a Conservative leader who, over the next four months, will need to call on his MPs to be present for some crucial votes, several of which could potentially bring down the government. Also, the caucus whips and deputy whips will be essential in maintaining caucus discipline and solidarity, and also for Mr. Scheer, engaging the morale of his troops as the Conservative leader spends the upcoming four months preparing for April's leadership vote at the Conservative Party convention. So, Mark, an interesting set of personnel announcements from the leader of Her Majesty's official opposition this morning.
0: Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will meet with the Premier of Nunavut also the president of the Fédération Québécoise des Municipalités, and will participate in a roundtable discussion with leaders from the Federation of Canadian Municipalities. In Ottawa, Jugmeet Singh will announce the NDP's shadow cabinet, and Governor-General Julie Payette continues her visit to Estonia. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, November 28th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.